Let my heart in this go. Let's go, man. That is as good as it gets. I represent me in this issue. Thank you very much. Have a great day. The ruling on the field, the touchdown is confirmed. Fourth and two now. You've got to get two yards. I don't know. I don't think so. No way. Kentucky wins. Welcome to the Peace of Mind podcast. His name is AJ Nance. My name is Kevin Jackson. Rate, review, subscribe at Peace of Mind 615 on Twitter and Instagram. Follow us and reach out. Leave comments, reviews. You can also check us out anywhere, uh, Apple, Spotify, or anywhere else that you check out podcasts. Um, again, rate, review, subscribe there. We'd love to hear from you all. Um, and we're looking forward to all your feedback. How you doing, man? I'm pretty good, man. We got the first week jitters out. I'm uh, I'm feeling really good about this week, so I'm ready to roll, man. What are you drinking? Well, I brought over some Thomas H. Handy uh, for you bourbon drinkers. Uh, you'll know it's a pretty decent bottle. Brought that over. This is actually our first episode together in the same location. We're at the, uh, the Jackson Compound, um, and we're just going to sip some bourbon, talk some sports, and have a pretty is, damn is, good day. Is handy like Jim Beam? <laughs> yeah, it's handy, Jim Beam, uh, Fireball. It's all the same thing, pretty much. Um, something you easily walk in, find it on the shelf. No, uh, this actually, uh, it's in the Buffalo Trace Antique Collection. It's it's pretty good bourbon, but um, I don't want to spoil it for you listeners that haven't had any. So I'll just keep all my opinions to myself. All the stops out for episode <laughs> two. So uh, we chalk an episode up one, uh, episode one up to a, a success. I think so, man. I mean, a lot of a lot of the feedback was great, and we really appreciate it. Um, we're gonna work on the length. May make it longer. May make it shorter. Uh, it's just up to you guys. But um, I mean, fourteen was it? Fourteen that Four, we had. Fourteen five star ratings. Fourteen five star ratings. That's that's pretty damn good. That's not bad. That's not bad. My uh, I. I didn't know if I was going to tell this story or not, but we went to uh, Madison, Wisconsin last year to the Wisconsin-Michigan football game. <laughs> and um, I know what? I don't even want to say it. We'll cut it out. Cut it out. Cut it out. Guess what? You'll never hear this. That's right. Ever. <laughs> yeah. So I think we got a couple shout outs for the reviews, right? Yeah. I think we got three reviews. All right. Three good ones. I appreciate that. Who we got, Kev? Uh, first one, shout out to Miss Lindsay Painter in Nashville for the review. Uh, she says, name a better duo. Seriously, these two kill it. Can't wait for future episodes. Well, guess what? You're getting it right now. Honest question. Is her last name still Painter? I uh, don't think so. <laughs> we'll hide her identity, but she could potentially be married to at least half of this podcast. There you go. All right, what do you got next? Uh, we got another one for Closer to My Dreams 78. Real sports conversation, great topic, and funny. Um, got to give a shout-out to my guy Christian here. If you guys are listening, give him a follow on Instagram. Uh, his his name is at down underscore set underscore eat. Um, great teammate of mine. Really looking to get a, a lift off on all of his um in-home cooking that he is still trying to get out to his customers. I think he's in the VA area. 
Um, but would love would love for you guys to go to support him and Christian. We we appreciate all your support. All right, last one comes from a very special person, the goat in Atlanta, Georgia, War Eagles Dave's. He says, extremely entertaining and easy to listen to. Both are very knowledgeable and give solid insight. Definitely some Ohio State and Kentucky bias. Uh, who's keeping track? But at <laughs> least they're upfront about it. Looking forward to more episodes and especially more of the Mount Rushmore segment. So, big shout out to War Eagle Dave's top fan, big listener in Atlanta, Georgia. Again, we got to say thank you to everybody who reached out, whether it was... Uh, a Facebook comment, Twitter comment. You left it on um, Apple Podcasts, wherever you reached out to us. We really appreciate it. Um, Kevin and I have discussed that once we get a few episodes into this, we're definitely going to do a giveaway. Um, so continue to keep up the support. We'd love to hear from you. No matter how big or small you think your suggestion is, um, all of these help. And to that point, we're going to give you guys a little tidbit here. But two of our listeners... Uh, Sam Grayson and Reese Miller actually came up with uh, today's Mount Rushmore segment. So props to them. And for everybody else, give us your ideas and feedback on Mount Rushmore topics. We'd love to have them. There you go. All right, so let's get to the episode. We are officially in the the cold season of college football. Uh, college football seems like it's going to be we should a put taps in here. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> it seems like it's going to be uh, five years until the next college football game. But um, so last weekend we visited Lexington, Lexington, Kentucky. Yeah, did some did some bourbon tours, um, ate some great food, and just enjoyed each other's company. Uh, also, we saw formerly known as. Commonwealth Stadium. Uh, we did go to, which I hate begrudgingly to say, Kroger Field. I'm, I love the place, but man, Commonwealth Stadium just sounded better. But we were able to go inside, tour the stadium, and it's kind of for me. It was it was nice to relive uh, what it felt like to be on the field. But not to mention it was twelve, <laughs> <Midnight>. <laughs> 12 o'clock in the morning and snowing. But I mean, how else are you supposed to take in a football atmosphere? It was a good time. Um, I did want to get your opinion on something here, and because you mentioned that we're in the dead series or dead season of college football, but to that point, when have we ever had this much activity this early, right after the season? I mean, we've had a number of news and noteworthy kind of things here. It always seems to be. I mean, there's always it's all, the coaching carousel seems to always happen this time of year. Yeah, but with the new transfer rule, it seems like the hot topic of college football right now is who's going where, are they going to be eligible to play right away, and what could you possibly your roster end up looking like? Yeah, because you just don't know. And I mean, it, you know, who knows who's going to get disgruntled in spring practice, <laughs> who's going to in, uh, get injured and leave. Mm-hmm. But um, I mean, we're right off the bat. We've got. Transfer quarterbacks, head coaches moving. So, I mean, so so let's see. Since last time we chatted, um, Justin Fields selected Ohio State. Yep. And I'm not certain, but it's I know there's talk, but is he immediately eligible? 
No, so he is going through the waiver process. He's his lawyer is the same guy who did Shea Patterson's. Okay. We got him into Michigan. Okay. And that lawyer is saying that the process is not going to go nearly as long, which, uh, for whatever reason, because to me, they both seem to have legitimate reasons. But uh, Justin Fields' reason is that is the racial slurs from the baseball player. So that was from the baseball player. And so he's you. doing a hardship waiver saying that, hey, I can't, I don't feel safe, I don't feel comfortable playing. At Georgia, I'm going to go to Ohio State. Okay. So, Which, who knows, is true because that kid's been expelled. And so, who knows? And but I'm not, take I, advantage of it. Yeah, I mean, by all means. I mean, if you'll know, you'll get to understand this, but there is, at the end of the day, the NCAA holds all the power. We've, we've agreed on this many times through. But if there's a way for you to get on the field – without having to miss time mm-hmm. and use your talents to the best of their ability so that you can have a future or a career in this sport, by all means. Like, I mean, if that's the rules you have to play, play by. In a system that's taking full advantage of you, like you better be taking full advantage of every loophole and rule that you can get to. And I'll, t- I'll say this. That we, you know, we, we talk about our rundown and, what we're going to cover before we approach our show, but we didn't put this one in there, but it's something that has stood out to me and that's been on my mind. I don't appreciate schools being able to block where you can transfer to. Right. And so are you referring to Austin Kendall? Yeah. In West Virginia? That's the guy from Oklahoma going to West Virginia. Oh yeah. yeah, Right. He's at Oklahoma going to West Virginia. Correct. And to me, the issue is, if, if you don't think I'm good enough to play here, or you don't want to use me effectively, or, you know, for most of these college kids, you sell me a dream of, hey, when you come here to our school, you're going to do this, this, and that. We're going to use you this way. And you sell me the dream, and I get here, and it doesn't pan out like that. Or you bring in another quarterback. Right. Or, or you bring in a transfer. Foreshadowing to what we're going to talk about <laughs> in a minute. But if I can't play here... One, why are you blocking me from schools to that may compete against you? Like, if you don't believe in my talent, I don't. I like. I don't understand the purpose besides just being petty. Yeah, I'm. Like, there's not a viable reason other than just being petty that why you couldn't go play somewhere else in the same conference. Right, and a, a coach can leave, as we've seen. Like, we talk about a coaching carousel. Yeah. We've got two Michigan coaches. Leaving to go coach at Ohio State. That's not only like in your division, like that is your your end right. all be all rival. Name one instance where the NCAA says, Hey head coach, you are not allowed to go coach somewhere else. Or an athletic department saying, Hey, okay, we're gonna let you go, but you're not allowed to go coach at never, this school. Never, never never happens. But again, the system has all the power, the players have none. Sure. So but I will say this, um, and I'm a very big proponent of the the end result. I don't really mind that Oklahoma was petty up front and like they had to get bashed outwardly in the public before they made the right decision. They got to the right decision. Yeah. And they let the kid transfer where he wanted to go play. And that's all that matters. Mm-hmm. Like, this kid, Austin kid, I really I'm not gonna lie, I don't know much about this kid. Me I mean, either. Sitting behind Baker Mayfield and then uh, Kyler Murray. 
I mean, so tough break. Think, think about it. Tough You've break. come to Oklahoma, and then you got Baker Mayfield, and then Kyler Murray comes in, and then another quarterback comes in, but four star kid. In his, he's in, pretty good. In West his Virgin- defense, West Virginia is going to get one. In his defense, it's you know, if I'm if I'm going to lose out to three quarterbacks and not play, can't really pick a better three at That's the true. same school. So I take that. But so, you also uh, mentioned, but, yeah, well. So this gets to the main topic, uh, I guess the, I don't want to say, I mean, I guess Justin Fields would be the highest rated recruit or transfer, the high profile transfer, but um, I think the most popular one would be Jalen Hurts Yeah. to Oklahoma. Uh, I think everybody knew as soon as that championship game against Georgia two years ago, all right, where's Jalen Hurts going to transfer to? Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. And... Um, not to mention that all the places we picked were wrong in last week's episode. Yeah, it happens. That'll be. But like you said, he did visit. He visited West Virginia. Yeah. And where'd he go? Well, where he, did he go? No, he visited Miami and oh, he Miami. visited. Um, yes. Where's the other school he went to? Maryland. Maryland. He yeah, he saw Mike Loxley, the former uh, OC at Alabama. Right. Which, I'm, I mean, it's. There's never a clear cut favorite for where these, these guys are going to go. And you surprised he's going to Oklahoma? Again, and to my point last episode, I feel like the Big 12 did not necessarily fit his game the best. But what I'll say is, I mean, you're going to a coach and a team that is going to be pretty well established. Um, I believe they get C.D. Lamb back. So you got... And they got three top... Ten receivers. Yeah, they got some coming studs in. coming in, and they get um, Anderson, their running back, yep. back this year. So I mean, it's not like he's walking into a situation where he's just not gonna be able to to function and compete. Yeah. But also, like, I mean, if you look back on it, like Jalen, that that first year that they lost to Deshaun Watson, like he was two and a half, three minutes away from yeah. being the man. Yeah. I mean, if he, he wasn't playing Superman, they, he'd be a two-time national champion. Well, I mean, he marched Bama down the field, and he broke a run for like 30 yards to score right, right. before that, that epic drive. Right. So the kid is 26-2. and two. Oh, we're gonna, No, no, we're going to give him the Georgia win. He's 20, He didn't start it, but he deserves that one. We'll make it 27. Okay. And then the national championship, he won that. Runner-up, like we said. First team All-SEC. But... At what point does Lincoln Riley stop taking transfer quarterbacks? Because at some point you just depending on transfer quarterbacks, and then you don't get one, and you got these guys keep leaving because you keep transferring quarterbacks in, and then all of a sudden he's only got one year, right? Right, but I'm, I mean, I guess you, you keep taking them until you fail, right? Like, I mean, if it works out, like, I brought in a transfer, he wins Heisman. I bring in a transfer, he wins Heisman. Yeah. I bring in a transfer that's probably, it's, I would say it would be. He's not sh- going to win Heisman. He, he's not going to win Heisman, but I would be astounded if he did not win more than 11, if he didn't win at least 11 games next year. And Yeah, it, oh, easily. With Oklahoma? And if, if, and if he wins the Heisman, it's the greatest upset of all time. Oh, absolutely. But, if you, I mean, if you're Lincoln Riley also, you got to look at it as – I mean, kids aren't going to not want to come to Oklahoma because you're getting transfers. Like, they're still going to say – they're going to think about it to your point of, okay, what if one year 
he doesn't pull a transfer or something like that. Or I come in, I redshirt, I learn the offense, he brings a transfer in for one year, yep. and now I'm the man. Yep. Like He's got a good enough team, a good enough offensive system where he's still going to look like a really good option to a lot of these four or five-star quarterbacks. True. So, And luckily, he's eligible right away. Right, and right. speaking of eligible right away, Justin Fields better be eligible right away oh. because if they're not, if he's not, then Ohio State, they have no quarterback because my boy Tate Martell, he's at Miami now, which, I mean, I liked him at Ohio State, but if there was a place to go to college for Tate Martell, it was the University of Miami. So, obviously, you have a little bit more knowledge around this situation, and you've probably seen, watched, heard of Tate Martell yeah. a lot more than myself, of course, but even the average person. Like, what is Miami getting in Tate Martell? The kid can run, and he can throw it. I mean, limited action, sitting behind Dwayne Haskins. I think he only threw 28 passes this season. Mm-hmm. And um, the kid's tough. I'll give him that. A uh, little undersized. Um Athletic ability really is yet to be seen when it comes to like how good it can be because mm-hmm. he went to Bishop Gorman, right? Yeah, in Vegas. Did you watch the show? I never watched it. I didn't watch the show, but like I remember hearing on them Netflix coming out. But I mean, he, I mean, he, he's he a superstar. Right. Gatorade National Player of the Year was like a five star, and then it got taken away, so they ended up being a four star. Right, and even then, like I don't like, think he ever lost. Bishop, yeah, that's what I was about to say. Bishop I, Gorman is not. Losing multiple games a yeah. year. And I think he's going to two teammates, former teammates from Bishop Gorman at Miami. Yeah, which, I mean. But, so, I, I, I look back in the times I saw him play. And um, there was a play where he goes, he's scrambling and he gets hit in the sidelines. And, um, I mean, he gets lit up. Mm-hmm. But his helmet comes off. And so he's got to come out for a play. Or he gets the wind knocked out of him. He's got to come out for a play. And I remember reading in the report or in the, like, the follow-up of the game about how much he was bugging the coach. Like, hey, I'm good. I'm good. Put me back in. Put me back in. Put me back in. And so from everything I've heard, he's a really tough guy. Um, okay. Gets along with his teammates. I saw him play a little bit in the Michigan game when they put him in, in the goal line in their Tim Tebow package. Um, and he, I mean, he just, he could have had two touchdowns walking into the end zone, but he didn't pull it. Right. So I just don't think he ever got a shot really at Ohio State to let it all go. And with his athletic ability, I don't think he is elite speed mm-hmm. where like if he's like a Pat White from West Virginia or like a Cam Newton that just when he pulls it on his own read, mm-hmm. it's just he's gone. But I see him more like a Kyler Murray kid. And not as fast as Kyler, but when everybody else is in coverage and he's got to take off, He's going to make something happen. Almost more like a Johnny Menzel. I was going to say, what about like the kid from Texas? Would you put him in that that type of... What kid from Texas? Um, Shane Bouchelle? No, no, no. Uh, Sam, what is it? Ellinger? Oh, Ellinger. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Would you put him in that, no, that no, no. same I would, I would as put a him runner? There. No, no. I think he's more athletic than, than Ellinger. But okay. um, Ellinger, to me, was, I thought I was watching Tim Tebow. Just, just tough. He tougher runs yeah, rather just, than just yeah. He's like, runs. I'm gonna run QB power. Gotcha. I don't see Tate Martell. That gotcha. Way. And then, if you you brought him up here, but uh, Shane Bouchelle as well. Now, has has anything come out of him, like 
visiting schools? Um, who's on his list? Is is there anything out there? See, but this guy kind of went under the radar because uh, it was reported this week that he's not coming back to mm-hmm. Texas, and for good reason, right? Um, if you really want to be a starter, um, but he's apparently visited Utah. Okay. Um, but this is a really interesting case because when Tom Herman got to Texas, he was his guy. Shane Bouchel was yeah. his quarterback. Mm-hmm. And he played the enti- entire 2016 season. And now, granted, they weren't good. They were in that transition. But he threw for 3,000 yards. I'm looking here on ESPN. 3,000 yards, 60% completion, 21 touchdowns, 11 interceptions. That's not bad for... A true freshman. What 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 did their uh, what did their record end up being that year? Let's see. One, two, three, four, five, six, seven, four and seven. Five and seven. Alright. So Yeah, that's not good. But then him and Ellinger split time in twenty seventeen. Right. And then Ellinger's obviously the guy. Right, right. Which is I mean, that's I just it's interesting. It's just the day we live in or the time we live in here in twenty nineteen that I mean, you're one play away from being the guy. Yeah. I mean, we saw it multiple times yeah. this year. I mean, if you look at I mean, think about Cardale Jones is still on an NFL roster. Because he was ready. I mean, and he didn't transfer. And so I, I guess you could argue the other way of how good, or I mean, like, where would he be now if he actually went somewhere and played? Right. But who knows? So, and you know what's crazy? I, it's not every day I learn something uh, in the, World of college football, but after checking out the Shane Bouchelle transfer situation, I learned that players can stay in the transfer portal as long as they want. Mm-hmm. But if they enter their name to transfer, the school can take away their scholarship. Now, does that does that work for any time? Because like I know scholarships are technically year. Contracts. Basically. That's a good question. I don't know. We'd have to look into it because I don't know if it's they take away the scholarship, you're automatically off, mm-hmm. and you got to go somewhere else, or you have until the rest of that semester, and then you got to go. Right. Right. I mean, I can. Being that it's the NCAA, I see how it's set up that way. But I think it's for good for the team. Like that's I was gonna say, I think it's fair for the coaches and the team. You take away the NCAA and like the monster that that is, and everybody yeah. views them as a monster, but. Like, if you're going to enter your name into the transfer portal, and you're going to think about transferring, right. then I should be immediately allowed to say, all right, fine, I'm going to start making plans without you. I mean, you almost, you kind of put yourself into that, that situation like the Cavaliers the first time around with LeBron. It's like, okay, he could potentially leave and not resign. Should we trade him and get something back for him? Yeah. Or do we run the risk of... Not doing anything, and then he leaves, and then we get nothing. But that's what happened. And I mean, LeBron wasted the right, last second. Right, and, and so I mean, you do the same thing here. It's like, okay, if the kid, you know, if the kid's gonna put his name into the portal, okay, well, we can look at JUCOs, we can look at new recruits because we know we've got a scholarship opening up. Yep. Rather than, okay, he puts his name in the portal, he waits till last minute, he leaves, and now we can't recruit a new kid. We can't. Go out and find that Juco, and now we've got that void that we talked about earlier with quarterbacks. Right. By the way, did you see Tay Martell's new nickname? What's that? Um, it's, um, shoot, what is it? It's not, uh, it's not Miami Vice. It's, uh, oh, it's Vanilla Vice. Vanilla Vice. I love it. 
I love it. I re- it, and we talked about this earlier, or not earlier, but we've talked about this in the past because of kind of like the way that the the divisions and things shake out. Um, Miami's a great landing spot um, because they're on the side they're on the side opposite of Clemson in the ACC. So in Miami's in Miami's division, you've got Pittsburgh, Georgia Tech, who's getting a new head coach, Virginia Tech. Virginia, Duke, North Carolina, who's getting a new coach. So, I mean, if you're going to pick your poison there, I don't have Florida State, who's typically a powerhouse. I don't have Clemson. You're the alpha dog. Right. Or like you're saying. You're you're the alpha dog in the conference. Everybody. In that division. Everybody in the Coastal has a shot. Yeah. Florida State and Clemson have to duke it out as the top alphas. Right. And so. You take care of your side of a weak side of the conference, you go to you give yourself a chance in the conference championship. Sure, but I mean, it's just like at some point Miami's got to figure it out, and they, I mean, so they got a new coach, and they're gonna have a new quarterback, and it just seems like they just can't put it together. And what are they missing? I, I don't want to say like discipline, but they they're just they don't they're not tough. Like it's all show. I think, you know what I mean? There's no blue collarness to it. Like, not that they need blue collar, but it's like ever since the U came out. I mean, Oregon kind of did this with the uniforms. You mm-hmm. started to hear kids say like, "Oh, I want to go play at Oregon," because, oh, look at all the facilities, look at their uniforms. Right. And then, all of a sudden, they just when you're not winning, they lost that edge. And if you games. get yeah, if you get into the X and O's, you get into the X and O's. They like they really jumped because they they took the whole tempo. To the next level. They were the first ones to do it. And then kind of like everything happened at once. They started recruiting those types of kids that just kind of wanted to do all the glitz and glamour in the show. Chip Kelly leaves. Mark Helfrich leaves. Marcus Mariota leaves. They lose a big game in the national title. They lose to uh, Oregon or uh, to Auburn a few years earlier. And you started to hear that like, wow, Oregon's just not a tough team. Like they just got a bunch of kids that just want to play for the jerseys and all that stuff, and the gear. And I just kind of feel that's the same way with Miami. Is like you just got the show. You've got the you. Everybody wants the fame and the notoriety and all the stuff that comes with it. But they're not focused on winning the games. Well, I mean, did you, you get to the point where we've talked about before, but you see the chink in the armor. You know, you... Oh, sure. You see, like, you've They're got this almighty... Just like Alabama. Like, you've got this almighty team that just, you know, they show up and it looks like, hey, we don't stand a chance to get these guys. And then, you know, you see them lose the week before and get smacked by a team. And then it's like... Right. Oh, okay. Because, I mean, if you think about it right now, if I told you right now that sometime in 2019 or 2020, Wisconsin and Miami are going to play a football game. I don't care where that game takes place in the state or in the in the country of the United States. I don't care where that game takes place. There's no way you're putting your money on Miami. Not now, no. Not, and because Wisconsin just doesn't have like if you if you tell me back in the early 2000s Wisconsin and Miami were going to line up against each other, I I get it. There's a difference in 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 talent and things between those time periods, but up until a few years ago, you always would take Miami. Even last year, like 
not many people were taking Wisconsin going into that bowl game, and then they just came out and just sure from the jump. But even even in the early two thousands, there was a premium on the at the line of scrimmage. Right. I mean, they had Vince Wilfork, and they had uh, the the center that was All American, Brett Romberg, and I mean, they just they lined up. They were under center. They ran the ball. They had a stable of running backs, and so they could play that game. And it's just now. It's just a different game. And I've heard this. Somebody told me this, and I thought it was very interesting, that although Florida produces a ton of athletes, mm-hmm. they're not... They're not produ- staying. They're not, well, they're not producing nearly as many linemen. Well, I, yeah. I mean, you... And so it's like this seven-on-seven seven age where it's like everybody just wants to be... And you got to think about it. I mean, you can play seven-on-seven seven all day long out there because it's... It's no pads. There's... Yeah, the weather's, the weather's nice. It's not like it, yeah, it's not like it. Well, think about the weather too. I mean, you're not right. going to play seven on seven in November, right? So why practice in Wisconsin? So you're not why practice it, right? I, so see. I yeah, I don't know if Tate Martell's going to be the fix to Miami. I just hope he goes out and the dude's waited a long time. He's waited a long time, and ultimately, it's about playing the game. Do you have any feelings on? Manny Diaz, like, do you think he is the the right hire for that situation? I don't think he's wrong. Okay, I don't think he's the wrong hire. I mean, you got a guy that's been there before. He's got a little edge to him. Mm-hmm. He's a younger guy. He came up with the turnover chain, right? I think like, so. That was well. I think so. Excuse me. He came up with the idea for it at Miami. He right. didn't start the trend, but that was his idea, right? right? Yeah. Okay. So, um, I think. Time will tell, obviously, but mm-hmm. I, I think he's not the wrong pick. I think that's – go with it. Okay. Go. Let him go. So, let's talk about other head coaches. So, you got him. Um, Mac Brown went to North Carolina, which I like. I think that – Well, what – let's go through the list. Okay. We've got Mac Brown at North Carolina. Yep. Ryan Day at Ohio State. Manny Diaz at Miami, mm-hmm. Les Miles at Kansas, Mike Loxley at Maryland, Jeff Collins, Georgia Tech, Mel Tucker at Colorado, Jim McElwain at Central Michigan. Which co- which new coach are you most excited for in 2019? I think that just selfishly, because I am a, a fan of his, I really want to see Les Miles do well. I just don't know if he's in the right situation. Now, we talk about coach the coaching carousel and things of that nature, but you give me less miles at Miami, and now I think they're able to to really change the culture and their brand and get back because less miles coached a very Why line did, up hit you in the face kind of right. at LSU. They probably could use that. And I think I think Miami could very well do do that same style if they had the right guy um, kind of pitching that idea. But is Les Miles that guy that can walk in and command that respect? I like if so. Urban Meyer walked into Miami and said, this is how we're going to do things. Mm-hmm. Like I have no doubt in my mind that he's like, that's the guy. They're going to do it. And if you don't want it like that, then you're going to get out. I just don't know if Les Miles is going to promote or have that kind of impact. I of think, like, we're going to run this old school, line them up, smash mouth, and you won't have those kids that would be like, man, who's this guy think he is? This guy's washed up, or this guy's 
you know. I think he's stubborn enough to be able to do it because that's that was his. But they didn't even do it well at LSU. Their offenses were terrible. They were, but they won games. I mean, I mean, if you look at his his statistics, I mean, they probably had six or seven ten win years. Now it's well, shit. You can you can trip and fall with the LSU talent and and land with seven wins, right? But ten wins. But you got to think about wins. it in the LSU talent that he's getting there. Is, you still got to go through better Al- than, better than Florida, go through, but you still got to go through Alabama. You still got to go through Auburn's. You still got to. Play teams from the East that are pretty good. What's the other Division One school in Louisiana? Louisiana Lafayette, Louisiana Monroe. Are, are they pulling? No the talent. I but, mean, if you're in, if you're in Miami, you got Florida State taking your kids. You got you've got uh, Florida taking your kids. Right, but you got UCF taking. But your kids. But none of them are in their division. You know what I'm saying? So like, but still, I mean, you could LSU. You can lock down the borders of Louisiana, and you've got and you got eleven wins. Right. But even then, like you've got like to win your division to be great, you've got to go through a whole a whole That's lot true. more hurdles. Like, yeah, I can if I don't dominate five stars, I could rack up on four stars. But since I'm not playing the tougher side of my division, I've got a chance to sure. make more noise. So, I, what do you think he's going to do at Kansas? Do you think he's going to play that way, or do you think he's going to go Big Twelve air raid, throw it out? I mean, look. Who's it? I, I I have to see his OC. I don't think that his, his coaching philosophy is not air it out. No, um, most definitely not. So, is he going to be the guy? Is he going to be like getting the program? Is he just going to be a figurehead? Just run the program. I think so. Make it stable, and then hire. You better hire some coordinators to make it happen. And Kansas better if they're going to do it that way. Kansas better fork over the cash. I mean, if this is this is just my personal opinion, I feel like this is. A scenario where Les Miles, he wins six, seven games for two, maybe three years, probably two, and then a USC opens. Um, uh, Interesting. A, a guy that old. An old Miss opens or something like that. And you, you're able to bring in Les Miles back into a scenario that fits well, I see what you're game. saying about old Miss, but. I mean, I, I don't think he wants any part to do If he couldn't do it with LSU in the SEC West, he's not going to do it. He's not going to do it at Ole Miss. Right. But, I mean, I, I feel like that his his coaching philosophy, his style, he's he will probably transcend or be a bigger figurehead at a larger branded school than Kansas. Sure. I, I don't feel like, and to this point, like the whole – ordeal that they brought up with Stoops and coming to Kentucky is, okay, you've got to compete against basketball. Right. And Les Miles is a kind of guy, just like Charlie Strong, that wants to be at a school that is 100% dedicated to football. And I don't think he's going to get that satisfaction from Kansas, which le- which leads me to believe this is more of a pit stop and I'm just trying to get back in the game to showcase y'all that hey, I can do this. Like, sure, I can take a lesser team and make them. You know, I can take a six and make her look like an eight and a half with some makeup, and then I'll transition to a bigger school where now I can start pulling back in from right. those five star people, and then well, he better figure it out because I mean, it's a, he's 65 years old. He better win quick. Uh, yeah, 
I mean, how, how old's Mac Brown? He's probably what seventy two. That's a good question. I would I would vote to say seventy two for. He is sixty seven. Wow. wow, you know he's from Cookville. I did not. I did not know that at all. I did not know he's from Cookville. That's incredible. Les Miles not. from Lyra, Ohio. Man, all the best coaches are from Ohio. Wow, he's only sixty seven. Him, I, him, I and, him, and Mac Brown. Him, and, Mac Brown, and Les Miles are about the same age. <laughs> I would have bet copious amounts of money that <laughs> he was at least 60, 69, 70. I would have said seventies for sure. He looks at that. I mean, silver fox. Look at that hair. Do you think that in the in the wild case scenario that Harbaugh like leaves and goes back to the NFL or something like that, and Michigan was to approach him again for that position, mm-hmm. do you think he turned it down a second time? Michigan better pray that he doesn't come out. <laughs> Who are you going to get? Who are you going to get? If, if Harbaugh's gone, which I think he is, after next year, I think he's out. Because, listen to this. If they don't beat Ohio State next year, he is gone. Even if he does. I think even, if they, if, even if he does, you, you still couldn't beat him when Irvin Meyer was there. You're right. But you now beat, that he's gone. You beat a first-time head coach. But now that he's gone, it's at least like maybe we're going to buck the trend here. Yeah, if he loses, I think if they lose next year, he's definitely but, gone. So, but again, is that too close? Less miles out at one year at Kansas. I mean, no different than Willie Taggart being out one year at Oregon and going. Okay. No, it didn't. It but didn't Willie pan Taggart out. because he's bad. It didn't pan they're, out. But they're I mean, terrible. But less miles. There's already Kansas is already terrible. They are. But I mean, if Kansas doubles their win total this this year. And yeah, so if he wins two games, Kansas is feeling pretty good about that. Now, not I think they what they won four this year. Um, I would vote to say probably three or four. Let's look here. I've got them pulled up as winning. Boy, the internet's just a wild thing. Oh, they were uh, three and nine overall. Three and nine. So if they, if he wins Which five is a, games, it's an epic season for he, Kansas football. They lost to Nickel State. They lost to Nickel State. Yep. Kansas football. Kansas lost to nickel. You know my the first game, first college football game I ever played in was Nickel State. Really? Yep. Seventy two oh. to zero. Um, you boy got to play because we were up seventy two to zero. Everybody's gotta start somewhere. Uh, my first game was not as memorable. We got beat pretty handedly by a red school that I refuse to mention. Uh, really? Yeah. Fifty six twenty one. That was your opener. That was my opener. Which was wild, because then the next week we played Texas State, and the talent and speed difference from the Red School to Texas State. Yeah, I was like, oh man, I can play college football yeah. during the Texas State game, the Louisville game. I was just like, ah man, this is this is tough. Wow. But then we went, I'll say it, Louisville. Then we went Texas State. The third game was Ole Miss, and. Ole Miss was just a run of, not a run of the mill school, but they were a seven, eight win team that year, probably. The difference in speed alone, even that Louisville team went to the Orange Bowl, and Ole Miss still speed wise was so much more of a shock. Was Brom the quarter? Yep. Quarterback? Yep. Maddie Brom? Uh, Brian. Brian. Wow. And that was my freshman year. And then they had, they had, um, Speaking of, how happy are we that we're not talking about him going like in this conversation right now um, at Louisville? I think that if you're if you're a Kentucky fan and you're looking now, granted, I think the guy from 
I think the guy from Appalachian State is a great coach. Oh, they're a top twenty five team. I mean, he's a great coach. But if you're if you are a Kentucky fan, you have to be happy that Brom doesn't take that job because sure. I mean, the type of pull he would have over the, well, if the you're talent in the state. Yeah. I mean, it's just you're just like man, like you got to keep this guy out of my way. And right. even at Purdue, he can still pull from Kentucky players, but it's a harder sell. Pulling the Kentucky kid to go play in the big in the Big Ten versus in ACC, which I grew up watching, or sure. in the SEC, which they probably grew up watching. Sure. So I mean, you gotta you gotta think that that's a huge win that he doesn't end up, you know, sixty something miles on sixty four right. at Louisville. All right. So final verdict on Les Miles: Do you think he'll be successful or not? I think he will. All right. How many I, wins? How many my wins? measure of success for less is going to another job. Right, so I'm so how many wins? I'll give him five. Five wins. I think he gets five wins. Hmm. Let's look at their schedule here too. While I got it pulled up for next season, they were they were one and eight in the conference. So they did get a win in the conference. I should. Um, so they got Indiana State, Coastal Carolina, at Boston College. Yeah, West Virginia at home. Hold on. Run it back. Run it back. Oh, Run sorry. It back. Let's go. Indiana State win. Coastal Carolina, Carolina. Got to win. At Boston College. You'll lose. That's a loss. West Virginia at home. Loss. At TCU. Loss. They're going to be good. Defense is going to be back. Okay. Oklahoma. Loss. loss. At Texas. Loss. loss. Texas Tech. Got to get it. Got to steal that one. Kingsbury's out. Texas Tech and Kansas back to back. Got to win. Kansas State. Kansas State, my bad. Got to win one of those. Is it at Kansas State? Both of those are at home. Texas Tech and Kansas State are So at they home. got a new coach, too. Kansas State's got a new coach. They got the North Dakota State guy. Right. So, so And that'll be interesting. I think they'll be, depending on what their roster ends up looking like, I don't know what their roster is, but they'll be fine. At Oklahoma State's a loss. At Iowa State, I'm going to probably say is a loss, loss, but that game could be a toss-up. Their coach is good. And then you get Baylor at home. So you got to win. You got two guarantees. Yep. And then you've got maybe Baylor, maybe Iowa State, maybe Texas Tech, maybe Kansas State. Yeah. I'm taking the under. <laughs> I immediately regret saying five. <laughs> that looks tough. Uh, I think. I think. He- no. So for him to be successful, more than four. Yeah, yeah. I mean, for him to be, for him to call it a success. If they go five and seven next year, yeah. Okay, if, if I'll they, take that. If they win more than they won this year, yep. I mean, that's a success. Yep. Yep. Okay, so. But you you brought up these coaches. Who do you feel is is the best who in year one? I mean, we'll we'll take. Let Ryan, me just. We'll take Ryan Day out of this. Well, I'll talk about Ryan Day in a second, but. I'll take I'll I'll go through what I'm intrigued by okay. in these coaches. Mac Brown, can he do David Cutcliffe style and take a basketball school and make them good? Larry Fedora, known for his hot takes, and I mean the dude was had a great head of hair. Yeah. But he just couldn't get it done. And who knows? There's talent around there. And to me, like UNC is not Clemson. Because right. Clemson's been playing football as a little more football tradition than UNC, but like they're in that region. 
right. they're not going to get they're not going to get Clemson players, but like at some point you should be more successful. I'm curious to see if Mac Brown can have the 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 Cutcliffe effect at Duke. That's what I'm that's what I'm intrigued by there. Less miles. Do you think the Mac Brown name still holds weight? Nope. Okay. I don't think kids give a crap about old guys. Okay. Sure don't. No, old guys in general. None. No. Okay. Who else? I'm, okay. I mean, think um, Bill Snyder. I mean, sure, he was an old guy. Think yeah. kids came to Penn State to play for Paterno still? Or no. did they come to play for Penn State? Penn State. What about Bobby Bowden? I think, I, I think Bobby Bowden. To me, I mean, to have Bobby Bowden come into my household and recruit me would have been huge. And that's true, but like, and that's wild because, like, is it Nick Saban? But Six, I was sixty-eight. But that was ten years ago. Yeah. So like, like I mean, because what Mac Brown's been out of the game for what six years? Yeah. So I mean, and he's what sixty-seven? Yeah. That's how old Nick Saban is. So I don't know. I just I don't know. Maybe that's a bad take. Maybe that's a bad take, but um, Mike Loxley, that's a, at Maryland. That mm-hmm. what intrigues me there is how competitive he is against the big dogs of the Big Ten East. Okay, because that's a that's a shitty, right? Tough division to come into if you're Maryland and Rutgers, uh, because you got Penn State, Michigan State, Ohio State, and Michigan, and Indiana. That's tough. Yeah. That's Especially tough. if you're going on a road to Indiana, which we've discussed is just for Ohio tough just course. for Ohio State. <laughs> no, no, just for Ohio State. <laughs> for nobody else it's fine. Uh but I'm curious to see how he's how he holds up against the big dogs. Um for Maryland, you got to schedule easy non-conference. Okay. And you got to be Indiana and Rutgers and you maybe steal one. I mean, they almost stole one against Ohio State this year. They, they should probably, probably I mean, arguably they should. Yeah, they should. Well, yeah. I mean, now, granted, Dwayne Haskins was No, no, no. The only reason, no, I, the, the guy blew it. The quarterback blew it in the right. on the final play right. in the two-point conversion. Because it got the kid wide open. But here's my thing is the lineman was five yards deep in the end zone on a pass play. So true. it should never have counted in the first place. Nonetheless, if I would have lost and they would have shown me that, that the lineman was five yards deep, Boy, I would have been hot. I don't know how many wins Maryland's going to pull out next year. Here's their schedule. All right. Howard at home. Win. Syracuse at home. Not win. That's tough. But they'll do this bullshit where they beat Texas. At Temple. Win. Penn State at home. Uh, Penn State got a new quarterback. They're going to be good. Okay. Um, At Rutgers. Win. Win. At Purdue. Loss. You think that's a toss up? No, I don't. I don't. I, I don't chalk that. I don't chalk that up as a win. I don't think or as a good. loss. I don't chalk that up okay. as a loss because um, Purdue's just bad enough still to stink one up. To okay. stink one up. I mean, they lost to didn't they lose to Akron? I think they lost to Akron. They, so they started the season ugly. This yeah. Year. Yeah. Okay, so then you get uh, Indiana at home. Tough. I'll take no, no. I, yeah, that's a, that should be a win, but for anybody, but like Maryland, I get it. It mm-hmm. could be a toss up. At Minnesota, I love PJ Fleck. The last week of October, so probably gonna. That's not bad weather. Not that's not terrible, terrible weather. weather. No, no. But, Minnesota in 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 November is tough. Yeah. 
Then you go Michigan. Loss. Loss. At Ohio State. Loss. loss. Nebraska, I think, is going to be a loss. I think Nebraska is going to be very good this year. Not. I think they're going to I think really they're going to be an eight-win team this year. I think Scott Frost is going to be incredible. And then at Michigan State. So you're definitely not winning a game in November. I think they can beat Michigan State. I don't see not not November thirtieth in Lansing. They they're not. Yeah, but Maryland is is not like just is not like Georgia weather. You know what I mean? It's it's gonna get cold, and I think Michigan State is a shell of what they used to be. I think Antonio's on his way out. He may be, but that's a that's another one of those just Michigan State. Will find a way to gut out a that that game will be ten, 10 to, to six. That'll yeah, be like 10 to nine. just oh, for some reason, uh, L.J. Scott's still there, and he He's has not. he declared. Uh, prove it. I, <laughs> <laughs> listen, let me let me see them line up without. Him. But L.J. Scott didn't will have get approved for the seventh year. Forty eight carries for yeah. one eighty six or something. So we got Jeff Collins at Georgia Tech. At Georgia Tech. Yep. That's an interesting um, one to me. Oh, yeah. I mean, where's he coming from? Um, he is coming from defensive coordinator at Florida, Mississippi State. Okay. So he's a so defensive guy. Okay. And so for me, what intrigues me is how much is Georgia Tech going to take off not running the triple option? And so I, you know what's wild is – I played at Air Force, and we played the triple option with a bunch of kids who didn't get recruited by the big schools. Right. And we played at Oregon's Tempo, and it, we caused so many people fits. And I honestly thought that if you had premier athletes mm-hmm. running the triple option at the Division One level, that it could be, it could be done. So that always disappointed me how unsuccessful they were. But with those kids in Georgia, I mean, granted, you got Georgia going. Here's what you got to do with Georgia Tech. You got you to gotta beat off the other people, beat out the other people that are trying to poach your kids. That's, yeah. And then you have to, you have to steal one or two from Georgia that – Kind of goes under the radar, or they want to be the bell of the ball, and Georgia is going off getting a national or a national recruit, mm-hmm. and they don't feel like they're giving enough credit to the in-state kid, and then Georgia Tech swipes them. So I was looking at some Georgia, some Georgia, like talent fields. The Georgia top one hundred high school players. Yeah. The first recruit that had committed to Georgia Tech. Was ranked number eighty three in the on, state of Georgia. In the state of Georgia, that blows my mind. Tennessee had multiple recruits. Florida had multiple recruits. Obviously, Georgia and Auburn had multiple recruits. Alabama had multiple. Um, Kentucky had multiple. Arkansas had multiple. Like you can't now. Granted, for me, that's awesome that we could come in and have recruits in the forties pulling yeah. to Kentucky before an in-state school. But it's in, like. To be successful at Georgia Tech, you can't have your first recruit be number 83 in your own state. Right. You have to be higher up on that list. Now, winning football games will do that on its own. But to your point, you've got you've got to get these kids that 
are kind of secondary thoughts to Georgia or to Auburn or to these big schools and really get in there and 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 sell the house and try to you know gain these recruits away from them. Right. You got to. But again, to the Georgia to the Georgia Tech side of the bracket, they're not playing the tougher teams. Now, granted, you got to play Georgia every year, which is not. But it's typically even these past few years. I think they've won maybe two in the last five years against Georgia. So it's it's not so skewed where Georgia just dominates all the time, right? But which um, it it seems like it's trending that way, right? Um, Who else we got? Uh, Mel Tucker, Georgia's former defensive coordinator, also worked as the assistant head coach to Nick Saban. So Great pedigree. Co- oh, right. Yeah, uh, Colorado getting a defensive guy. I think um, Colorado's been really competitive right. recently, and um, I think the Pac-12 is so down that I mean, you can sneak up and win that. Uh, Utah, never in a million years, because when I played in the Mountain West, when I played Air Force, Utah was in the Mountain West. Really? And then when they announced that they were going to um, the Pac-12, mm-hmm. I thought, man, it's going to take them some time to to get that going. And then they're playing in the Pac-12 championship game this year. So if they can win it, if they can win a division, then Colorado certainly can. Um, who else we got? So yeah, so that intrigues me. If 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 Colorado continues this trend, upward trend, mm-hmm. I think he's a to to I guess looking at these coaches that we've discussed, I think that Mel Tucker is the most of a project hire. Like I now I, a head coach. I truly believe yeah. Colorado's looking four years down the road. To, to to he's gonna be their Bob or Mike Stoops. He's gonna be their he's gonna be their coach Stoops, and they're looking that far down the road to say, what can he establish? Because I mean, like you said, to his to his pedigree lineup, I mean, you would you would hope that he could come in and recruit some good talent to Colorado, um, and and kind of assert this presence of defense yeah. that he's learned under Saban and, and Kirby and then Well you're just gonna find out is it is it scheme and genius or is it players? Is it players? Because when you're at Alabama and Georgia you're gonna get the best players. Right. So it goes back to the old the, the coaching philosophy of uh, what do you think wins games? Is it Jimmy's and Joe's or X's and O's? Right. And so uh, Mel Tucker's gonna have to figure that out real quick because he's not gonna have the same recruiting advantage. Now maybe he can go in and steal a kid from Georgia or whatever, and you know, and kind of be their Ed Oliver from from Houston, mm-hmm. and say, "You'll be the guy, and you'll own the league." Instead of just going to be at Alabama, go to Georgia, right. and you'll be another guy, and you'll be in the depth chart. And right. so, who knows? Um, next up, we got Jim McElwain, which is <laughs> um, he's taking time out of his deep sea fishing. Naked, naked naked shark hunting or whatever. Old, <laughs> old naked Jim. Uh, yeah, so, which is interesting because he won two SEC East championships. And now he's coaching in the MAC. Tough world out there. I mean. Yeah. <laughs> it's a tough world. Yeah. But um, he was a wide receiver coach at Michigan last year. Coached at Michigan State. And so he knows the area. So... 
I mean, I guess. I mean, I don't know where you're going if you're Jim McElwain. That, to me, what intrigues me is like, why are you taking this job? Are you trying to just move your way back up? Right. Because um, he came from Colorado State, right? He went from Colorado State to Florida yeah. to now at Central Michigan. Yeah. So, um, good for him. I mean, obviously, he's throwing his hat in the ring to say, like, hey, I want to be a head coach again, and I'm going to prove it here at Central Michigan, which um, that's a good program in the MAC. Yeah. And the MAC plays good football. Yeah, I mean, it, I mean, you can say what you want, but like those teams are competitive against major division one. I mean, they gave us a, they gave Kentucky a fight for a solid three quarters this yep. year. Um, yep. So I mean, it's not like he's going to a no like a bad no name school. I, I I do think that they've got enough of a football pedigree to quench his thirst. I think that. He kind of falls into that same boat as Les Miles, in my opinion. Just getting of, back up. Hey, if I if I make Stepping us bowl seven. eligible two years in a row, um, yeah. Let me ask you this though. To, you you mentioned um, Jim McElwain doing it two years back to back, taking Florida to the SEC championship. If he then pivots, goes to Central Michigan, and makes them bowl eligible seven, eight win team, two years in a row, does that make him look like a very... He'll get hired, for sure. Okay. To me, bowl eligible is not good enough at Central Michigan. Like, that to me is normal. Okay, what if he goes because bowl there's, eligible? Because, and well, in this day and age... Everybody goes to the bowl. Kind they've of got a lot of bowls for the MAC teams. Right. So, they, they're they perennial bowl teams. Um, I, I think if they get to like eight or nine wins... Somebody's gonna hire him. Somebody's for sure is gonna hire him. I think he got a bad rap at Florida. I think that was a tough, tough spot to be in. I think Florida's better off and good for them. But I think he took a lot of heat at Florida that maybe wasn't justified. So who knows? So let's look at this. Central Michigan. Yeah. They they lose by fifteen at Kentucky to start the season. They. Oh, side note, they went 1-11. But they lose by 15 to Kentucky, which turns out to be a really good team. Yeah. And you lose by 15 to them. Um, they lost by 8 to Northern Illinois. Who got a new think, coach? Yeah. Just recently? They, they got the guy from... The Ravens. Oh, okay. Baltimore Ravens. Um, They got a win against Maine. Then they lost by 11 at Michigan State. So another decently good team, yeah. and that's early in the season. Do you know Michigan, Michigan State, State will go play their in-state schools as a favor, hmm? like to promote their like the state economy? They play like Eastern Michigan, the directional schools, Eastern and Central. Central. They'll play them. Oh, they better stay. Thankfully, they dodged that Western Michigan bullet a couple years ago. Because yeah, but no, no, they'll actually go play at their at stadiums. Their schools. Because they know they'll bring their fans and the revenue for those schools. So they'll actually do a home-and-home with those schools instead of just playing in East Lansing the whole time. Okay, so back to the Central Michigan schedule. They lose by 11 at Michigan State. They lose by 1 to Buffalo. Or, excuse me, they lose by 10 to Buffalo. They lose by 1 to Ball State. They lose by 7 at Akron. They lose by 10 at Eastern Michigan. They lose by 11 against Bowling Green. So, I mean, these are all 
if you were getting beat by 20, 30 points, I could right. see. But if you're Central Michigan, you've got to look at it like hopefully Jim McElwain can, can come in, assert himself into like our culture and these one or two score games that we're losing, maybe he swings you know, he swings the, the balance of power and we we win two or three of those closer games. Right. I mean one on eleven is so bad. As Bill Parcells says, eventually you are what your record says you are. But I'm looking at their roster and they've got like 10, 15 seniors? That's not a lot. Bodes well for the future. I mean, if you're Jim McElwain, you're coming in. and I'm a, I think I'll, it's closer I'll, to 15, but yeah. I mean, so I would say probably a relatively young team. Right. So, I mean, you're not coming into a bad situation. Right. And so, uh, obviously, he's got to get that thing going if he wants to get his next job. Uh, all right. So... We ready to get to the Buckeyes yet? To who? The Buckeyes? Yeah, yeah. I'll let you... uh, you, What are you going to say? No, I was in my own little head here, not paying attention. But, (laughs) um, yeah, I'm going to give you the keys on this one. uh, Because, again, you're our resident expert. Um, Ryan Day, what what do you like about him? What do you feel like he's going to bring that was different from Urban... And what do you see for this team moving forward? Well, I think the hardest thing to do as a coach is to come in after a really good coach to be the next guy, which usually, I would, I mean, how many, what are the odds that you think that you actually, the guy you come in to replace was a really good coach? Usually it's a being fired. Right. Right. And so not only do you have to come in and replace a guy that was successful, you have to replace probably the second best college football coach of our era. I mean, so that's a tall task in itself. And so I think Ryan Day is a perfect, I think it's the perfect guy for the job because he is going to, he's already kept Mickey Marotti, their strength guy, mm-hmm. and he runs the team in the offseason. Mm-hmm. He was Urban's most trusted guy. And so he keeps him. He's retained most of his offensive staff. He's gotten rid of the defensive staff. He's kind of keeping that in his in his own. Okay. And so the program is going to look very similar, in which it has to. Right. And so you got to have a guy that's going to come in and and not just change the culture. The culture there is so strong. And people are going to roll their eyes up and say, oh, the culture at Ohio State. Oh, what is that? You know what I mean? Like, yeah. And if you're outside of the, of the state of Ohio, I get it. You, you don't ever hear the positive things. But the culture there is so strong. That's the reason why you win a national title with a third-string quarterback. Right. And so they're going to keep the culture the same and build on it and tweak it to make it in his own image. But they don't have to worry about a new guy coming in and throwing it all around, throwing it all away, and then deal with the pushback that you would get from players that say, hey, no, like, we were super successful. Like, that's not the way we do it. You know, we were playing at an elite level. We're training at an elite level. What do you know? You've never been a head coach before. Right. And so I think it's, I think it's a dynamite hire. 
I think it's a can't lose hire for Ohio State because, um, you know, it keeps their culture. It's the best chance to keep their thing going. Mm-hmm. While if he fails, then you'll be able to go out and get your guy. Right. So, and it's, so it's you're kind of in that whatever happens, yeah. like we'll we can. A, rebuild, or B, continue our success. And of all the guys that Urban's worked with, Mm -hmm. Urban has come out and said that Ryan Day is the smartest offensive mind he's ever had in his life. That he's ever worked with. Right. And, and I mean, if you look at his success early this year in the three games that Urban was out, like, I mean, they were just blowing the doors off people. Now, granted, far less talented Sure, but the offense looked different. It just felt different when he was in charge. It felt like they were. It felt like it was Ryan Day's offense. It really did, because he was making the game plan. Right. And then up until, um, I mean, he was making the game plan all through camp. But then once they came out and they had that meeting, and they said they announced the suspensions and what they were going to do while Urban was on paid administrative leave. Then Urban stepped in and they were making the game plans, and so, yeah. Back to what you were saying about during that. His interim time, that was his, what do you call it? Uh, his. That was like his. Uh, his internship. Right. It was like, like, his, that was, that, it was like his practice go around. Yeah. You yeah, know, yeah. Like it just, that was his uh, audition. There That's the word I'm looking for. Ah, yeah. We, we get there eventually. <laughs> Too much bourbon. <laughs> we get there eventually. No, that was his audition. And. You know, like I said in the last episode, I'm a nut job when it comes to Ohio State. So I watched every day the media interviews and all that stuff. And it just, the dude killed it. The dude killed it. And um, I think for me, in the, being the outside viewer of Ohio State, I think that when I look at a, a, a coach coming in, and if you're going to hire from within, and I said the same thing when we talked about Cleveland Browns and like them sticking with like their intern guy, but like when you hire from within, how do your players react when that guy was at the was at you know the top spot? So if you look at Ed Orgeron, when Les stepped down, they loved him. Like the players, one hundred percent reacted positively, and that team looked different. So did you see? You saying you saw that? Yes, but. Well, from an outside perspective, they were beating up on teams. They were bullying them. People were like, well, what's going to happen? Because yeah. Urban's not going to be maybe, here. Maybe Urban shouldn't come back. Right. And so, if if that's the case, and my play, like, I'm expecting my team to respond that way this year. But now I have you all through spring, all through right. summer, going into the season. Yeah. And, and to that point, like... It's still Ohio State. Like they've still, they're still going to have like very good athletes. They are, but I mean, you can say that. I mean, under Tressel, who's the coach before Urban, it was very much so a Ohio-based team, and they would go and sprinkle in some national players, right? Because I mean, they could, um, notably Terrell Pryor from Pennsylvania. They got Malcolm Jenkins from Georgia. Um, and so they go and get those guys, but when Urban came, it was nationwide. Yeah, I'm gonna, I'm gonna go pick out my guys, and he would tell them in practice, like, "Listen, you were hand selected to be here. Right? We could have picked anybody. Right? And so 
I don't know if it, it, the, what intrigues me about Ryan Day is is the mind is there. Will he be able to go get those kids? And right off the bat, he got the biggest one in five stars, Zach Harrison, mm-hmm. right out of Columbus. So that's a big win. Um, he's getting good coaches for his defensive staff. Mm-hmm. Greg Madison uh, from Michigan. I mean, if you look at that the linebackers team, coach, Al Washington from right. If you look at Michigan this year, like their defensive their, staff, yeah. their their interior guys were what made them who they yeah. were this year, and they year. got both and of those got guys. both those coaches. So I mean, yeah. You gotta think that your defense is trending up, right? And they got a new DBs coach, uh, the dude from the 49ers. Mm-hmm. and um, so I mean, time will tell. I've got, uh, oh. but he's saying the right things. I mean, he says in his press conference, "I learned very quickly around here that there are two priorities for Ohio State football, and that's beat number one, beat the team up north, and number two, win all the other games." And so it's like, you get it. The expectation is you win every game. So contrary to how we evaluated the other coaches on this list, what would look like a – not I won't say failure. What would not look successful for Ryan Day's first year? Like if he goes 11-1 but he loses to Michigan? From an outside perspective, I, I can't call that not success. Sure. And from from the, the Ohio State lunatics out there, they'll be like, that's unsuccessful. I mean, and that's going to hurt because you haven't lost, you've won 14 out of 15 against Michigan. So losing, right. if you won them all and you've lost to Michigan, it's going to hurt really, really bad. Right. Okay. But you got the, the out-of-conference games are weak this year. I mean, your biggest game is Cincinnati, which sucks because Luke Fickle had a hell of a year. He was an Ohio State guy, and all those kids were the kids that didn't get recruited by Ohio State, and they're oh, going to yeah. come up to Orsha, and they're going to give them a game. So that's a, I mean, That'll be that's a, a tough game. for a different reason. Right. It's tough. It's not tough because you're playing Oklahoma. It's tough for that all those other reasons. But you got Florida Atlantic, Cincinnati, mm-hmm. at Indiana, which, yep, seems to be Ohio State's. Can't figure them out. You've got Miami, Ohio, at Nebraska, which is a tough. I think that's going to be a tough game. Right. Uh, Michigan State at home, at Northwestern, which they're returning a lot too. Pretty, year, right? They're returning their leading tackler, their leading uh, leader in sacks, leader in tackles for loss, leader in interceptions, and they got the kid, the highest. I oh know that's Indiana's got the highest rated. Uh, India uh, quarterback in Indiana history, Ooh. but they got the transfer kid from Clemson. Northwestern does. Oh wow! So they got when they got Trevor Lawrence, that kid from Clemson, Last the backup transfer, transferred. So he was behind Deshaun, <laughs> Kelly Bryant, and Trevor Lawrence, and Kelly Bryant and Trevor Lawrence. So he's like, I'm out. I'm going to Northwestern, which is a big get for Northwestern, right? And so here's my thing with Ohio State's schedule is they've got at Nebraska, Michigan State, at Northwestern, Wisconsin. Back to back to back to back. Right. Well, with a bye week in the middle. So, um, that's a tough stretch. And then... I will say for... As always with Ohio State's schedule, it just seems like you got to go... Like, at the end, they finish it off with Penn State and then at Michigan. Right. I will and say so, that for, for looking at the way that the schedule shakes out, uh, going... You get the break in between um, Michigan State and Northwestern, which is kind of nice. 
But then two weeks later, you get another bye week, which I think is going to bode well for you all because, it. I mean, I think Maryland at home should be a win. At Rutgers shouldn't be bad. But now you have a bye week with two yeah. lesser, t- tougher opponents yeah. before you go into those two pretty much haymakers at the end versus Penn State and right. Michigan. Right. So you got all of fall break or all of fall camp. You got Florida Atlantic, your tune-up game. Right. And then you got Cincinnati's your only big game. You got to get up for it. Right. And then I wouldn't be surprised if that's a night game or like a four o'clock game. And then you've got at Indiana and then Miami. I mean, that's like a very favorable. Miami of Ohio. Miami of Ohio, right. Right. That's a very favorable beginning of the year. And then you got two bangers at Nebraska and Michigan State. Okay. And then you get a break. Two more tough ones. And you get a break. And then you got Maryland Rutgers right off your break. And then you got two more bangers, Penn State and at Michigan. Would you would you call it less successful if he goes ten and two, looking at the way the schedule shakes out? Depends about the last game. If you so, go ten and two, beat Michigan, we're gonna be fine. Gotcha. Everybody will love it. Gotcha. If you I'm, go, it just it's tough. You're spoiled. But right. here's here, a couple things to think about. SEC does the cupcake Saturday before the last week. Right. Right. Which is well from. Most of the teams. For the most of the teams. Yeah. Which is genius because if you add on your last game rivalry, mm-hmm. rivalry game, then the conference championship game, and then if you're going to the playoffs, another top five game, and right. then another top five game, that's potentially oh. that's potentially four in a row. But Ohio State has got Penn State, then at Michigan, and then they'll have to play the Big Ten title game. And then if you're playing in the playoffs, you got two more. So that's five straight games. Granted, you got the the, the week off. Um, one thing I want to ask you real quick: at Northwestern, is a, it was just moved to Friday night. How do you feel about Friday night college football games? I don't like it. Big time debate in the state of Ohio, especially of like it's high school football. Right. Like same same in Tennessee. Like high school. High school football is the bread and butter of Fridays. I I love Thursday night games for NCAA. Love Thursday night games. I like Saturday games. I even I enjoy the you know the the initial week one when the they sprinkle do on in Sunday. the Sunday and the Monday games. I appreciate that. But you got like you. That's like, your lifeblood. You got those know, players are all playing on Friday night. You gotta know. You gotta know your lane, and it's. You know, you don't play Sunday games all throughout the year because that's NFL time. You don't play Monday games because that's NFL time. Right. That Friday is time where, you know, people, you could be out scouting. You could be out watching teams. Like, I just, I don't. I don't like it either. I don't understand what you get by a Friday prime, game. Prime time. Play it on Thursday. I get, yeah, I, but I'm. I agree, but now Thursday has become really saturated. I love the days when it was like West Virginia and Pat White and the ACC had Thursday nights. Like, I love those nights. You know, the pandemonium in Piscataway, and you got Graciano <laughs> chopping away. And, you know, they're the big upsets, and, yeah. you know, Louisville is good. Sorry. But um, now that it's just, it's almost like, 
oh, what games are on tonight? It's Thursday night. Like, you know, there's so many games that you just don't even watch anymore. Well, and so, yeah. I guess Friday night's that attempt for them to regain that. But again, how many people are not going to watch because they're at a high school football high school game? game? Or doing anything on a Friday, traveling because you're going to go to a Saturday game elsewhere. Yeah. And so, you pretty much guarantee it's only going to be Northwestern fans. And so, is that going to be the game we chalk up to Ohio State's blowout loss on the road against an unranked team next year? I don't know, man. You could. There's worse things you could do than give me a weekend in Chicago. So, you want to go? Listen, we'll have to discuss that with the uh, the, the ruler of my household, the missus. But uh, I, w- I mean, a fr- like a Friday game in Chicago, and knowing you have. Saturday, Saturday and Sunday also like it's not. I mean, if you're if, if you're traveling from Columbus or somewhere, that's not. Let's a, go. I'm in bad shape. I'm in. It's decided. Let's go. It it has been written. <laughs> All right, so we've pretty much covered. Uh, we've pretty much covered college football, the transfer quarterbacks, the head coaches' movements. Um, I mean, I guess one thing we can leave off or or kind of end the segment with is. Alabama losing offensive defensive coordinators for a second straight season. All these Pistons coaches that they've lost, players that have left early, players that have transferred. Mm-hmm. Um, it's been a rough couple yeah, of weeks for Alabama. That's uh, nobody cares <laughs> because yeah. So we'll probably leave that for another episode. But I'll say I'll say this: you will really see. What Alabama's made of this year. I still think they're going to be a hell of a team. Like, yeah, we lost a lot, but offensively, we still have just a ridiculous amount of weapons. And there's a reason why these assistants are getting other jobs. And that's because, like, when they leave, they're well prepared to go elsewhere from, I guess, Saban's tutelage. But I'll say this. There's got to come a point where losing so much affects you. You can't just next man up everything. Right. So I'd be right. interested to see this year with losing so much how they transition. Yeah, that's that's tough. That's tough. What that's what made Urban Meyer fake his heart attacks <laughs> in Florida, losing his coaches every year. Speaking of heart attacks. I think it's time we go into Mount Rushmore. All right, let's do it. Let's do it after the advertisement. All right, so we're back after uh, much... Analysis of week one episode. It seemed like the most popular <laughs> segment. The most feedback we got was about the Mount Rushmore segment of last week. So last week's segment was uh, the Mount Rushmore of sports movies. And um, I got to say this. I caught some heat from some listeners about all the movies I hadn't seen. <laughs> and I, no joke, a listener brought me a stack of DVDs 
of all the movies that we didn't a either did not put on there or hadn't I hadn't seen, which <laughs> was rightfully so because it was a it's a big list and it's an I would say borderline inappropriate that I hadn't seen those movies, and so this week I got after it. I saw Hoosiers, I saw Major League hey, for the first time. There we go. I saw. Um, Glory Road, which I've seen before, but we didn't even mention on the list. Ah, we did leave off Glory Road. That's um, a great movie. And then, which to me is Hoosiers, but made in 2006. Right. Same story. Um, so, yeah. And I got a whole bunch of others. Um, so, I did my homework. I did my homework. Would not put Hoosiers on my Mount Rushmore anymore. Okay. I thought it was extremely overrated. I thought it was good movie, cultural icon. It's important as a sports fan that you've got to see it. You got to be able to like as your credibility. You got to see it. But I would not honestly watch it again. I've seen it once. It's good. That makes two of us. It's outdated. Yeah. It's outdated. Good. No, but good story. Feel good story. I get it. Cool, but I don't need to watch it again. Awesome. And Major League though, I thought it was hilarious. I, thank you, Willie Mays. Yeah, Man, when it. he when he falls asleep and they move him out, <laughs> yeah. when they pick him up. Is his cot? His cot. Yeah. In the top bunk. <laughs> they just take the bunk right off, and he wakes up, guys, and they're at camp. I'm telling you, like it, you just, I'm I'm sure like there's a feeling that Steph Curry gets when he shoots a three, and he's just like, oh yeah, that's going in. Like somewhere along the line, that producer was like, oh yeah, we we got a hit with this one. Like this one's going to be a hit. Yeah, Major League was hilarious. Um, it's still not my Mount Rushmore fair. because I didn't grow up with it. That's fair. But I thought it was a good movie. That's fine. I'd, I'd watch it again for the laughs. I'll take that as a victory. <laughs> so you mentioned uh, earlier that who picked it? Sam Grayson? Sam Grayson and Reese Miller. Uh, we, right. we were originally going to give them five minutes, uh, but we cut that down to two minutes to give us a topic. Was it Reese? I thought it was Mikey. No, nah, Reese, Reese oh. was with us. But we gave him two oh, that's minutes. Right. That's right. That's right. He said it there. In and the then... Within 30 seconds, they turned around with um, the Mount Rushmore segment and uh, to your hilarious post of little, little dabbies, but <laughs> today's Mount Rushmore is Little Debbie Snacks. Yeah, and if you didn't figure out from our episode title, we've got a snack for you. Uh, yeah, that was, a, uh, that was a shout out to Little Debbie's tagline well slogan we've got a snack for you so today's mount rushmore is your top little debbie snacks and and i'll say this i did not realize how many little debbie snacks there's a lot existed in the world there's a lot because i looked it up too and i was like what this was quite a bit more difficult than, than i thought but um there were some i never even heard of right now, granted, even the ones I've never heard of, I wasn't in a rush to reach out and try. But, so we go there. My Mount Rushmore, um, I've got the mini muffins. Wow. Chocolate chip, to be exact. Wait, the ones that come in the plastic bag? Yep. The mini muffins. Little snacks? Yeah. Love huh. mini muffins. What, uh, chocolate or blueberry? I'm... Either or is fine with me, but for this purpose, I put down chocolate chip because I think I would reach for chocolate more than blueberry. But I had no idea. As a youngster, we used to buy those quite often, and they were one of my favorites. So that's on the list. 
Um, honey buns. Overrated. Honey buns are not overrated. Um, and, and to really take this honey, and, and it's not just honey bun on my list. It's honey bun slash microwaved seven to ten seconds. Because if you're just eating that honey bun out the plastic, I can see how you say overrated. But if you put that it's honey cold. bun, if you put that honey bun, I'm telling you, you throw that thing in the microwave for about ten seconds, oh, it's a whole new ball game. What? How old were you when you had your first honey bun in the microwave? Uh, probably you, like 12. Is this a self-discovery? No, no, no. Somebody mentioned it to me, and there's been no going back since that day. Like, there's no, wow. oh, shoot, I'm in a rush. Like, no, I'll take my 10 seconds to heat that up. Um, this The next one is seasonal, but still gets to go on here. And that's the Christmas tree cakes. Wow. Like Again, had no just, idea. You really dig deep. Just wow. outstanding. I mean, you you come to the Nance household after Thanksgiving up until New Year's, you you will 100% find Christmas tree cakes at our house. Wow. 100%. And to top off my list, You've got to go with... This is number one? This is number... Well, it, this is number one in my heart, but I didn't really put them in order, but it's oatmeal pies. Oatmeal cream pies? Oatmeal cream pies. It's... I mean, it's... If you if you make a Mount Rushmore without oatmeal cream pies, there's something just to your DNA. There's something wrong with you. I just don't understand how you could no, taste really, all really, little you put those, You put those in the microwave? I have before, but I'm fine with eating an oatmeal pie just as is. Oh yeah, I mean, it's, I think oatmeal pies were always in my lunch as a kid as the snack. They listen. There's there's few things that have been on this earth for the 30 years that I've also been on this earth, and these things have just been consistently good. Like I've never lost that taste for oatmeal pies. There you go. Over 30 years. What about the chocolate chip cream pie? You're I've, right. never, I've, had ne- I've never had one either. In my research of Little Debbie snacks, chocolate chip cream pies showed up. I'll as... tell you what did pop up on mine that should go kill itself immediately and never come back up on my list was raisin cream pies. <laughs> no, yeah. And it, it looked like a cream no. pie with like raisins. I actually like raisins though. No. I actually like no. raisins. No. I've always liked raisins. That's just disgusting. All right. Can I go? Yeah. Let me hear. All right. I'm going to do this in order. I know the Mount Rushmore is not in order, but I'm doing it in order. Let me hear it. Number four, zebra cakes. First time I had a zebra cake, I was golfing with my dad and his buddies. <laughs> and at the clubhouse, somebody hands me a zebra cakes, and it just like blew my mind. So I argued this. Plus, they come in pairs. Right. They come in pairs. I get two zebra cakes. I, feel like as, I felt like zebra cakes and Christmas tree cakes were basically oh, the same. Oh, that's true. I that's felt true. like they were the same thing, but 100% agree. Like, if you want to lump those in together, fine. But zebra cakes, I, I give you that. That's I give you that. Those are, those are a hit. My number three is oatmeal cream pies. Okay. It's on the it's list. It's on the list. It's on the list, which is all that matters. But that's my number three. Okay. Um, listen, you, you, we talked earlier about, we were, we were hanging out earlier, and Big was on TV with Tom Hanks. And we're talking about most famous scenes in movies. And like one of the most famous movie scenes is Tom Hanks and whatever old guy is with him is when 
they are playing the piano at FAO Schwartz in New York City. And so, for me, one of the best movie scenes of all time is Honey, I Shrunk the Kids. Okay. <laughs> you remember that? I do. <laughs> and so they're, they're climbing through the yard and they come up on a oatmeal cream pie. And like they're like little babies. And they're, they're tiny. And they, I, my whole life, I would give anything to come up on a giant oatmeal cream pie. <laughs> And just take scoop out a scoop of the cream and like the cookie. Oh my gosh, that's incredible. Um, my number two, Swiss cake rolls. I think they're so good. They are so good. This is your time to shine. This is, yep. So I'll just... I don't think that people can see the anguish on your face right now. It's not good. No, they're so good. They're so good. And I tell you what, you probably chalked me up as a serial killer because I was the kid that took the hard chocolate off in each little piece until it was just the soft and squishy chocolate underneath, like the whatever it was, the dough or whatever, and then eat it that way. But I, I, think, I, I think I'd go through a whole box. I think I'd go through a whole box. Well, you'll just know. You'll get every donated Swiss cake roll that I ever comes close to my Bring house. them my way. So, my number one is, and I'm ashamed that you didn't even put it on your list, but it's easily the best Little Debbie snack of all time is the Nutty Buddy. That delicious combination of chocolate and peanut butter combined with the crunchiness of the wafer is hands down the best Little Debbie snack. I don't dislike Nutty Buddies. Here's my question. If I'm going to get a chocolate and peanut butter snack, I'd just rather get a candy bar. Okay, so chocolate and peanut butter is probably the most, like, besides Nutty Buddies and Reese's, I think chocolate and peanut butter is extremely overrated. That's just not a good take. Like, I, first of all, you sorry. didn't even talk about Butterfinger, which is the ultimate. No, to me, no. See, I don't think like Butterfinger to me is not peanut butter though. Like, like that. I don't know. I love crispity, crunchy, no, peanut buttery. I like, get it, but like that to me doesn't like. To me, I love Butterfingers. Okay, but Fair. like I just don't think of peanut butter when I when I eat. I just Butterfingers. There's not been. More than two great inventions over peanut butter and chocolate. Like it just it always works. Okay, well, but to your point, I, I nutty buddies are fine. Like I don't yeah. have an issue with those. But if I'm going to do the chocolate and peanut butter combination, I would go with a candy yeah. bar. Alright, so I we gotta do this because we caught a lot of heat last week about the movies we didn't put in and didn't even recognize. Right. Okay, so let's just get some takes. On other little Debbie snacks, okay. Um, one I wanted to talk about fudge rounds. Not a fan. Yeah, uh, it, it it's an all chocolate version of an oatmeal pie, basically. Sure. And I, it's while I do like chocolate, I yeah. don't like a lot of chocolate. So, right. I would give it honorable mention, in my opinion. I don't, I don't, I don't hate them. Star Crunch. No. It's it's a Nestle Crunch bar. Yep. Basically. All hype. That's all it. hype. That's it. Yep. 
chocolate covered Rice Krispies. Cosmic brownies. Cosmic brownies to me are like a. It's one of those things that take you back to your childhood. Like if you guys yeah. ever went to like summer camp and got those box right. lunches, we always had a cosmic right. brownie. To me, lunch. cosmic brownie is what all the rich kids had. If you in their lunches at school, I've never seen someone have a cosmic brownie and not have a Capri Sun. That's just in my <laughs> head. That's how it works. <laughs> that's just how it works, man. All right, fig bars. No, I would. Fig bars are great if they're the the uh, like if I had Elmer's, something healthy. Is it Elmer? Is no. What's the, what's the the little elves? The Elmer elves. Oh, oh those yeah, fig yeah, bars. Yeah. Fine, not not the little. That's bit. true. That's right. I was because uh, I like fig bars. Fig bars are the only reason I've ever eaten fig in my fig life. Fig Newtons. Fig Newtons. <laughs> yes, yes, yes. Nib- yeah, was it Nabisco? I think. So. Uh, Golly, we're gonna get. Roasted we don't give out free ads here. All right. What about the chocolate chip? The choc- the cream filled chocolate cupcakes with the little white swirls going across the middle. No, nah, yeah, it's, I'm cool. Those are probably the most. Those are probably like really famous. It's you know what I mean though. To me, that's that's a Swiss roll just presented to me differently. Yeah. Um, and then any others? I did. I saw on the list that there were. Um, these like fruit pie looking ravioli things. Yeah, I've never seen those, but those look like they could be good. No, I've seen those at the gas stations. They were always on the end caps with the little Debbie like powdered donuts and the chocolate glazed donuts. Right. And like you'd always put there as like the healthy option, even though <laughs> it was not not healthy. healthy at all. Yeah, you touched on it, but donuts like the little Debbie powdered donuts are always like yeah. a hit. I wouldn't. Those, those to me are not a snack. Those are donuts. Yeah, those are donuts. That's a breakfast item, not a snack. Yeah. Um, so, all right. Pretty good Mount Rushmore. I, I agree. Reese, Sam, we appreciate that topic. Uh, thank you for the love and the shout out. Yeah. Um, so, let's um, let's close out the episode. We've got uh, some. We're gonna introduce kind of a, a new topic here. A new segment where we kind of close out with um, either tweets or things that happen. And we're going to kind of do rapid fire. And it should only take about a minute or two. But I'm going to ask AJ's opinion on what he thought about it. Or his answer to the question. Okay. So uh, without further ado, let's get started. And uh, the first topic as we close out. Things that we need to talk about. Um, saw a tweet on January 14th by at uh, War Machine 2013 said, "If you could go back and change the result of any game in history, what would it be and why?" So when you brought this up to me, immediately the first game that came to mind was Kentucky and Tennessee my sophomore year. It was I want to say it was either a three or four overtime game. You're not going to pick the Kentucky-Wisconsin game where they the best team in college basketball doesn't win the national title? It's on the list, but, I mean, if we're arguing Kentucky football versus Kentucky basketball, Kentucky football is always going to win, in my opinion. Sure. Um, but it definitely was on my short list. Uh, but that game, that 07 season, we started the season 6-1. and one. We beat the number one team in the nation. In LSU, we beat the number nine team in the nation, Louisville. 
we were ranked in the top 10 in the BCS, the first initial release of BCS. College game day was also on campus. Like, that was just a trend. Like, outside of this most recent UK season, that's arguably one of the top years, fan-wise, that Kentucky's probably had. And for me, one, I never got to beat Tennessee, which is always something that, like, will bother me. But two, having that year where we had so many firsts and so many glorious things happen to end the regular season with that win would have been huge. I think we would have been in probably the Outback Bowl. We'd have been eight and four. Like it would just would have been a huge thing for our team. And to me, that's the one um, that sticks out to me the most. Um, yeah, I wish. My game was the Tennessee Titans, St. Louis Rams, oh, Rams. Super Bowl. Oh, man. Yeah, Kevin Dyson reaches out for the one, for one yard one short. Yard. Steve McNair, mm. Eddie George, Frank Whitecheck. That the was free the, Javon Kurz. Because that was the same year as the, the Greatest Show City Miracle. Right? Yeah, it was the same yeah. year. That was the wild card game against the Bills. Yeah, so that was my game. If I could go back and change any game in history, it would be that one. You know what else? Because I, I like the Titans. You they, know what's I mean, kind of wild? I have a professional football game written down on my short list, but it was the most random, and I hate even putting this into the air, but that New England and the Giants Super Bowl, I really wish New England would have won that one. Yeah. I'm a huge Randy Moss fan, and to see him retire without a ring. That and the 19-0. It would have just been yeah. awesome to see. Yeah. And I'm not like I'm not a hate I'm not a New England Patriots hater. Just beat them. That's my opinion. Okay, so on uh, also on uh, January 14th at Hero Sports News, um, they put out a full analysis of college football teams with the most players on AFC and NFC championship rosters. Okay? And so they have the top 10 and... Um, Yours truly, the Ohio State Buckeyes, <laughs> have nine players playing this weekend, which is the most of any school. Um, what stands out to you to this list? We've got Ohio State, Georgia, Tennessee, Alabama, Cal, Florida, Florida State, Iowa, LSU, and the SMU Mustangs rounding I mean, out the top ten. What stands out to you? Initially, um, there's a tie. Alabama through SMU all have the same amount, and with with five SMU and Alabama having the same amount of anything is incredible to me. Yeah, that blows my mind. But Cal, I mean, that's another. I mean, it's to me. I, I think like when I think of Cal, I think Deshaun Jackson. I think Aaron Rodgers. Jared I think, Goff. I think Marshawn. Those are the ones that immediately yep. come to mind, and it's none of them are in there. So then, right. Yeah, and then like who, who else do you got? But on that list, you got like you got like Alabama just players, Florida players, Florida State players, Iowa tight ends, offensive alignment, LSU right. players, SMU. Who? What? Like yeah. So. I'll say this: Ohio State, Georgia, Tennessee being the top three don't really jump off the page to me that much. Because in sheer volume of the amount of guys that you put into the league. Yeah, but Tennessee's garbage. 
How do you not win more games if you have the, if you have six players playing in the AFC and NFC championship and you're garbage? I understand that, but to to to, to I mean, God, it, it pains me to say it, but even then, Tennessee gets these four or five star recruits. How? Don't know, but they get them. So it's like, What's that? I mean, that's a traditional school that's that you get would see up there. But when you look at Cal, SMU, Iowa, like that's, I mean, those are shockers that I would say that I probably would not have said those teams. Right. Had you asked me to, you know, give you my take on what teams would be in this top number. All right. Um, on uh, 24-7 Sports on Twitter, also, they put out a list of ranking the college football's 10 tough, toughest places to play. In 2019, projecting into next year, what are the 10 toughest places to play? Right. They have got, um, which... I got the list here for you. Um, number 10 was Oregon. Watson. Yeah. Number nine was Washington. Yep. Number eight was LSU. Yep. Number seven was Notre Dame. Number six was Oklahoma. Number five was Ohio State. Number four was the 2017-2018 National Champions, UCF. Number three was Georgia. Number two was Clemson. And number one was Alabama. Initial reactions to that. I think this list is not... So after reading through this list, I don't think it's truly indicative of the environment. So like, it's, it's also factoring in like how, how good, good the team is. How good the teams are right. and how good the teams have been in that stadium. Like UCF on this list, like get out of here. Like no. Their place is rocking for what they got. If it's a big game, I saw their game against what was it like Memphis, mm-hmm. and that place is banging. Like, right. sure, it's great, but you're gonna tell me that not even Ohio State, you're gonna tell me it's better or more difficult to play than Tiger Stadium in Death Valley. It's just LSU. simply not true. It just isn't like which being as a, a guy that has gone to LSU and gotten his tail kicked, like. It's just not true. Yeah. Which I just realized that I knew that LSU and Clemson. Both Death Valley? Yeah, but they're both Tigers too. Mm-hmm. Like that's that's kind of weird. Let me ask you this. How many seats do you think uh, Spectrum Stadium, which is where UCF plays, how many seats do you think they have? 52. Close. 48,000. Really? There's not a stadium with 48,000 players. That scares me. With 48,000 people? Or excuse me, 48,000 players would definitely scare me. Uh, (laughs) What is it? Cover (laughs) cover 47,000? They got kids everywhere, Coach. I I can't see the field. (laughs) 48,000 seats. I just don't. it's, It's just too difficult for that to transition into any sort of headache. Yeah. Um, I agree. Alabama's number one. I agree. Right. Um, they have won. I mean, it's what? I think it's 100,000 now. I mean, they, yeah, I, I think they're be. right at 100,000. All those players, they have come back. Um, and I 
couldn't tell you the last time. I think Johnny Menzel. Was the last person. Was it I Ole Miss? That, I thought Ole Miss after them with um, Chad Kelly. Beat them. Chad Kelly, yeah. So, I mean, what? That's two? Can you name more? Like, I don't know. That one at Alabama? Yeah. That's tough. I mean, that that just, it goes to show. It's hard to win there. It's hard to beat Alabama one. Cam. Cam's year. They eight, won at Alabama. Eight years ago. Hey, I'm trying here. I, yeah, I'm, I'm giving it my best guts. Right but now. I'm just saying, like, that that's just goes to show how tough it is. Right. To not only beat Alabama, but to win there. Um, I've heard stories about LSU that, like, you just can't even hear yourself think. Um, I think Ohio State in, like, I think it's overrated. I shouldn't be at five. Um, Ohio State, if they're playing at noon, is it's quiet. Well, that, that was another thing that it's kind quiet. of like stood out to me. I feel like Ohio State plays a lot of early games. It's a, I think that's a traditional thing. I, I think that's a Big Ten thing. Right. Uh, they've played since Urban got there. They play infinitely more, but they actually this is the first time since uh, this year was the only time in Urban's tenure that they did not play a home night game. They wow. played four road night games. That's incredible. So it's tough on the players, but yeah. Oklahoma, I don't know. Uh, it's That's a tough place to play. I'm fine with them being at six. Notre Dame, nah, get out of here. And then um, I've heard Washington, sneaky tough. I, I've heard Washington. I've heard great things about Washington. I've had some. They've got this pavilion that goes out over the, so it traps the noise. Um, plus they're really good, so. They're there's a lot of great stadiums up there because yeah. uh, Husky Stadium isn't far from uh, what is it Century Field? Century Link Field? No, Central, they're, they're both in Seattle. They're incredible. Yeah, that's that's it's, loud. Yeah, that's fair. Okay, so on this list, I think I know the answer, but I'm gonna ask: Where would you most want to go see a game? Um, that you haven't been to. LSU Alabama night game at it's LSU. Just incredible. Look, LSU in general does yep. not matter who they're playing. If it's a night game, it's incredible. Yep. I think that just for sheer tradition and just all the things that comes with football, I really want to go to a Notre Dame game. I've been there twice. I've never been. It's I've really cool. Been. It's really cool. But I think it'd just be a great place to go. Yeah. It's really cool. Um, the whole campus, it's pristine. Gotcha. It's really cool. Wild, wild little tidbit here. Yours truly actually got a W at Georgia in the night game my senior year. That's so impressive. It's not that high on my list. That's all I'm saying, you know. But <laughs> I like that. I like that. That's tough. I I did have one other thing for you. Is there a team that's not on this list that you think is a tough place to play at? Oh goodness, that's a tough question Put right off the, the bat. Spot. On the spot, um, I would not on this list. Uh, Wisconsin, okay, it's cold. Uh, the jump around, jump around, awesome. the fans are ruthless. Uh, like I said, we at the beginning of the episode that we went up for the Michigan Ohio uh, Michigan Wisconsin game, and um, golly, they were they were filthy. The student <laughs> section, like it was. We sat in the student section, and it was like, man, I hope your parents don't know you talk like this. <laughs> um, they they take pennies and put them in marshmallows and freeze them, and they're throwing them at oh, the away God. fans. 
Um, that's a tough place to play. That that sounds so, like a fight. Yeah, right. that would be my school is Wisconsin. I was thinking um, Florida. I've got one other. Or Penn State. Penn State. Penn, a whiteout. A whiteout of Penn State. Are you? Are you? Come uh, on, man. We watched that game, the Ohio State Penn State game this year, and you just you could you could feel it through the TV. A whiteout of Penn State is honestly one of the neatest things, like college football traditions, yeah. but just they're the originator. It's like it's very dark, like outside the stadium, like yeah. the backdrop's very dark, and it's just all that. Like white inside. Yeah, and they have the pom poms, and they all move in unison. It looks like the stadium's alive. Oh my goodness, that's a that's a LSU night game, Penn State night game, bucket list. Um, Florida, Florida's another one that's just incredible. I Florida in the swamp. I played there during the day and at night, and it's I mean it's yeah it's it's one of those as a football fan you'd love to go there. Yeah, sneaky favorite stadium to play in was South Carolina. Really? Oh man, they got the little. The little <laughs> and like the stadium goes crazy. It, I'm like as a as a SEC guy, obviously like growing up, like I watched all these teams play, so it was all already just like a huge honor for me to be able to go play in those places. But um, South Carolina was one of those that I didn't initially have like super high on my man. I can't like I can't wait to play in the swamp. I can't wait to play in Death Valley. I can't wait to play at Bryant Denny. Like I had those. South Carolina wasn't on that short list, but I did enjoy playing there. Interesting. Um, which was kind of dope. All right. Uh, record: 135 undergraduate players declare for the NFL draft, according to ESPN reports yesterday. Good thing or bad thing? I mean, it's got to be a good thing. If you're if you're good enough to go play, go play. Make your money. Now, how that will pan out is one thing, but if you're sports is one of the very few where you can be legitimately good enough to be the highest paid professional person at that like at that craft but unable to go do that. Like right now, Trevor Lawrence would undoubtedly be the number one pick if he came out this year. But he can't for two more years. Well, that's not entirely true. Because the NFL is a corporation. And corporations all the time have age limits. They do, but if I'm the number one like marketer in the world, sure. I get what you're saying. Come on. Like, I get what you're saying. But like like Samsung well, I guess they could, but there's still laws. Like Samsung, if they go get like, you know, Joe Schmo commuter, like computer whiz that's ten years old, like they can't go just go hire them. Right, like you right, get, right. like you need to wait. I mean, and I, like, and I get uh, it to an ex- to a certain age. Yeah, to, but I did to your point with 135 um, up. In, well, when the statistic came out, 35 from the SEC. So that's. What's that? Twenty-five percent. A fifth. Twenty percent. Yep, somewhere in there. Twenty-two from the Big Ten. Sixteen from the ACC. Fifteen from the Big Twelve. And ten from the Pac-12. Does that kind of shake out how you would have assumed it to in your head? That seems to reflect the conference strength. Right. I mean, you could say. If you're a Clemson fan, you might be like, oh, ACC's stronger, but okay, you're top dogs. 
Florida State, not that good. Mm-hmm. Georgia Tech, not that good. Right. Louisville, not that good. Right. I mean, like Miami, not that good. So I get it. They won the national title, but, but the rest. I would say the Big Ten is healthier than the ACC right now. Okay. Quality of coaches, players. So I think that that list right there. That breakdown is indicative of where college football stands as a hierarchy. So it's also got, in 2015, there were 74. And in the years, 74 kids that declared. So five years. Underclassmen. Like you're looking at a five-year analysis, right? right and now. it goes 74. In what year? If 2015. Okay. 74 declared, then 96, then 95, then 106. Than 135 this year. Do you think that that trend is going to continue to stay in the hundreds? Do you think they'll they'll be drop off? Like, let me ask you this: How? What's the increase? How many draft picks were there in 2015 compared to now? Like total and picked in the NFL draft. Same number. Same number. What, 262, 252? 272, I think. So, I think Mr. Relevance, 272. So, it's like, if you have pretty much going to have the same number of seniors, if the number of undergraduates come out, eventually, Mm -hmm. there's going to be a bunch of players not playing. Because the number of picks picked in the draft is not going to go up. I mean, it's going to stay the same. So you're banking that... 256. 256. So well, you're either going to make a roster or you got to be an unrestricted free agent. you got to make a roster as a free agent. So I think to me, I think it's... I, I don't see it continuing to go up because there's only so many spots. And eventually you're going to say, okay, the NFL's not going anywhere. Go play another year. With with this trend coming into fruition, do you think that it'll be better for kids? Do you think it'll be better if these 135 go and they all end up on a team somewhere? Do you think it'll be better for classes to come? Or as do you a, think as a player, better? would you know that? I mean, you know, if you were declaring early, are you would you research it that much? I mean, I would like to know the statistic though. Like, I if if I'm a ju- if I'm a sophomore right now, right, and if, 135 guys are leaving. Obviously, if they all get picked up, then you're saying you go. But I think it more relies down to the draft grade that you get when you enter and what projected you are. So, like, they get to do that free analysis now or whatever, mm-hmm. where it's like, you know, you get to submit your name and then somebody will give you feedback and what they project your your like your draft grade would be and right. what gra- what round you'd be in. So, I think it's more indicative on that. And so, I don't know. I don't see the number going up. Okay. So, interesting. Um, um, but, last one. Michael Beasley for the Los Angeles <laughs> Lakers shows up to the game uh, on, was it Wednesday? Yeah, it was on Wednesday. And uh, goes to check in at the scores table, and he's got the wrong uniform on. And so, he has to go back in the middle of the game go to the locker room, change, get the right uniform on, and come back out to go in the game. Has that ever happened to you? No. Well, not in that specific in that specific uh, instance. I will say that um, we had 
three or four different jerseys for baseball when I was in high school. And I, I have shown up to the game with the wrong uniform. But it's still to the point where, like, it's, Dad, hey, I I screwed up. I need you to go home and grab my uniform and make it. <laughs> but, like, by the time the game starts, I have all right. the right things. Um, the game is going on. That's The game is being played. I love bees. But you, my thing is, like, you know you're about to check in. Like, you don't ever consider, you like. You took your sweats off. Like, you had taken your sweats off the entire warm-ups. Anything. Like, you didn't even look to be like, huh, I hope I got on the right shorts. Anything. Like, like nobody saw. <laughs> That's unbelievable. I love bees, though. So, like, it's perfect to happen to him. But, like, if also for Beasley, like, it's great that this happened while Braun is not on the court. Right. Because Braun would 100% be like, are you kidding me? Oh, yeah. Like, he would get out of here. Uh, no. <laughs> Braun would be so upset. You'd be on the trading block <laughs> on waivers. You're out. And I'll say this. I he's His tenure in the league has been, like, really, really good. Well, he's still been in the league for quite a long time. But Michael Beasley coming out was, I mean, he was a stud coming out Kansas of Kansas State. State. Yeah. He was unbelievable. And I think that um, – there's probably a number of things that play into why he never really just ascended into like that Dwayne Wade, Carmelo, like, just tier. not that not that good. But I, you could have told me he was going to be incredible in the league, and I would have believed it. I still think to this day, if there's a, a way that Bron can get the most out of Beasley, they'll be a really tough team because he he has the skill set to be. Really, really good. I just yeah. don't know if he truly cares enough to want to, to to do that. Yeah. When I was fourteen years old, I was a I was a freshman starting quarterback on the varsity football team, and we we're in the middle of two a days, and it's probably like the second practice, and I was so scared to screw it up. I was so scared to mess something up, <laughs> but. We go out, and it's after lunch, and we go about to practice, and uh, we're warming up with the quarterbacks, and the head coach is coaching the quarterbacks, mm-hmm. and we're throwing, and uh, and so after warm-ups, he says, all right, let's get the helmets on. Let's go. So I, I look around. I look behind me. I'm like, <laughs> wait a second. Where's, where's my helmet? And so I go over to the sidelines, and I'm like, there's gotta be a helmet with my number around here somewhere. And I'm like, oh my God, I left I, I left my helmet in the locker room. <laughs> I run over to the coach and I'm like, Coach, I got I gotta go back to the locker room. I thought he was gonna kick me off the team. I, I swear, I thought he was gonna kick me off the team. How you lose your lock how you lose your helmet, leave it in the locker room when you go out to practice, but I did it. I'm one hundred percent that guy that's like worried that I didn't lock the door or shut the garage or something oh, yeah. at home. Oh yeah. But, Man, those travel games in high school where you had to like pack your own bag and stuff. Yep. Oh, terrified! I had the list. I was worried <laughs> I, if uh, if I didn't have my list on the bus ride there, and I'm stressing like, do I have my knee pads? Do I have my? When in reality, it yeah. wasn't that big of a deal because we had extras of everything. I just take somebody like once I was a senior, I was like, I don't yeah, care. I don't care. I'll take oh, somebody yeah. else's. But my my freshman sophomore year, I used to panic like. I really hope I have everything because yep. this will be the one time that they like, man, go ahead. And I'm like, boy, I don't have a mouthpiece, a helmet. I don't have yeah. no 
No cleats. No, I tell you what, I was in a game and uh, my mouthpiece fell out. And uh, I was running the ball. My mouthpiece fell out and I couldn't find it. And so I got up and like, you know, we get lined up and I'm like looking around all the linemen and the running backs. I'm like peeking around people. I'm like, I can't find my mouthpiece anywhere. Like, this is not good. Like, I'm going to have to come out. So I run over to the sidelines, like in the middle of getting the play. And I'm like, so some JV kid on the side. I'm like, hey, mouthpiece. Give me your mouthpiece. Let's go. And they're like, no, that's my mouthpiece. That's disgusting. I'm like, give me the damn mouthpiece. And so I, he tosses me the mouthpiece. I shove it in there. I go run the next play. And I sure shit, like, it's right there. I'm like, well, there we go. Picked it up. Get through the other one. Over the sideline. Yep. So we're, yeah. I can relate, Michael Beasley. But uh, that's tough. That's, that's tough. It was a rough day. So... All right, AJ. I think it's about time. About time. I appreciate you guys uh, giving us a listen. Also, be on the lookout. We're gonna we're gonna double up here soon, um, and get back on a a trend of of releasing episodes more frequently. Um, or excuse me, not more frequently, but more in line with once a week at a specific day. Uh, but we're gonna try to get back into that flow starting next week. So. Not only check us out here, but we're going to release another one here soon. So be on the lookout for that. Yeah, appreciate you. Thanks for listening, everybody. Uh, Please, reminder, rate, review, subscribe, Apple Podcasts, Spotify, wherever you listen to podcasts. uh, Go out, uh, leave a comment, uh, post a review, um, leave five-star rating. Um, That stuff really matters to podcasts. Helps you get move up the list on uh, Spotify. So if you like what you hear, tell a friend. Do those things. Rate, review, subscribe. Uh, check us out on social media. Um, we post content daily. Uh, just uh, ideas and things that we want to talk about. And uh, our opinions on what's happening in the world of sports. So appreciate you guys listening. Y'all have a great night. See you. Waking up in the morning, gotta thank God.